What is up, families? Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Pre-Med Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab your copies there and you listen to the Black Men and White Coats podcast, the place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their stories with people like you. I am so very excited about today's guest for multiple reasons. First of all, because he's just got a great story and you're going to pick up so much and learn so much from it. But second of all, because it's a medical student. A medical student, I have decided that we're going to have a few more medical students on the show. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to make sure that all the information is relevant to our youth as well. Yeah, you know, having folks like me and the older docs talking, that's great. You're getting wonderful stuff. But we got to make sure we sprinkle some medical students in there because they're a little bit closer to the generation of the youth that we are really focused on reaching. So, hey, I'm bringing more medical students. All right. And today is one of them. And he's got a great story. Now, imagine this. Imagine going through your pre-med journey, doing all that stuff. It's tough enough. You're out here hustling, working hard, trying to make it. You get into medical school, and then you get a call from your school saying, hey, you're the only black male in your class. Whoa, right? Hey, you are the only black male in your class. Well, that's the guy we got today, Mr. Sean Brown, future Dr. Sean Brown, I should say. That's his story. Worked super hard, and you're going to hear a lot of great stuff from his story, but he worked super hard to get to where he was just to find out that he was the only black male in this class. And I'll tell you, I really like the way he he frames his response to that. And you'll hear, I'm not going to spoil it for you guys, too, but you'll hear his thoughts when he heard that. Um, I really like, I really appreciate the way he, he stepped into the game and the way he embraced that and took it on because a lot of people would have taken it a different way. But I think he has the right perspective as the way he decides to face this and take it on. But Mr. Sean Brown, future Dr. Sean Brown, great stuff. You guys are really going to enjoy this. Before we roll into it, let me just remind you guys, Black Men and White Coats Youth Summit taking place February 16th on the campus of UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. So I'm not even going to, I'm not even advertising for you guys to register anymore because we're basically done with registration. We're having to shut it down. Just too many started coming in at once. Um, You know, we essentially got flooded. So we're capping registration. We're essentially capped already because we still have some spots reserved for some school districts. But man, just I don't know what to do. I feel like doing a round of applause for how well registration went. And shout out to everybody who helped us get the word out, spread the word. We easily reached our registration goal. So right now, last I checked earlier on, we're over 1,200 and the goal was 1,000. We decided to extend it just because we had so many people coming up. And you know now we're going to have to cap it because we can't go over 1,400 and we have some some spaces already reserved. So super excited. It's going to be a great summit. And I'm looking forward to meeting you guys there. Again, if you're a podcast listener, when you get there, come find me, shake my hand. I really want to meet you guys. All right. Super excited. Still time to donate though. If you want to donate, we're still taking your money and we won't give any more seats up, but we will take your money. Right. And that's because we need the money to help feed these students, put on the great events and all that other wonderful stuff to make sure it's the extremely memorable moment. So when they look back at it, they'll say, you know what? That Black Men and White Coast Youth Summit was the moment I decided I really wanted to be a doctor. And that's the experience we're trying to give these individuals. So we're going to have a lot of great stuff going on. Uh, we might record some of it and try to get it up and out, out there for you guys who can't make it. But um, don't worry about it. It's only the first one. Plenty more to come. All right. Plenty more to come. All right. So Mr. Sean Brown, future Dr. Sean Brown. Check it out. Yeah, 
Hello everyone, my name is Sean Brown. I'm a first year student at Temple, a dual degree student actually, uh, pursuing my medical degree, my doctor of medicine at the Lewis Cass School of Medicine, as well as my master of business administration at Fox School of Business, uh, both of which are graduate schools at Temple University. So I just want to take a moment to thank God, first and foremost, for this opportunity, because without him, um, I would not have been able to overcome the many obstacles that have come in my life, some of which that I'm going to share today. Um, and secondly, I would like to thank Dr. Dale for asking me to be a part of this podcast. I was truly humbled when he asked um, because of all the prestigious physicians, and I believe that there was a medical student that was a part of this as well. But just the overall commitment to um, seeking to advocate for more black men in this profession. Um, it's striking when I, I look at the statistics of how many um, African-American males apply to medical school and end up matriculating. It's actually down compared to what it was in the 1960s and 70s. And so I, I guess I, I want to be a, a part of the solution to encourage more black men to be a part of this prestigious and very humbling profession. So getting into my story a bit, I spent the majority of my life in New Jersey. Um, I grew up in Burlington, for those of you from New Jersey. Um, that's in central Jersey. Uh, I attended a private school until I was in second grade when my parents transferred my younger brother and I to the public school district. And they decided to do this because the private school had limited resources. And by limited resources, I mean, they, th this particular school had limited access to technology. And because of how technology was advancing, impacting education, they felt it was best to move us for the sake of our academic growth, essentially. Um, and so even this early in my life, though I might, I probably didn't fully understand what it meant. I, I knew that they wanted my brother and I to have the best opportunities that life could offer. Both of my parents coming from less fortunate backgrounds, they did everything that they possibly could to expose us to things that they didn't have growing up. And, you know, when I really reflect on my experience, I realized that they were tough but fair, especially when it came to education. Um, and the reason I chuckle a little bit is because um, one thing that, I, that pops in my head immediately is one of the rules that they had, they did not allow us to watch TV during the, the academic week. And um, I think that was just because it would just been a distraction. But, you know, when I reflect, I, I don't think I missed out on anything in my childhood because often it was, you know, school, then after school, we went to our after school program. Then after the after school program, we either had sports or homework or some other activity and then dinner. And then after dinner, it was just like time to go to bed or I was just tired, you know? Um, so I was just, I mean, I, I, 
although it was a unique rule, I th- I think it was it just kind of helped us stay on course. So they <laughs> collectively were kind of like a good cop, bad cop. They had like a good cop, bad cop routine. My dad like often yelled, um, giving us the blunt truth in order to quite literally scare us into doing the right thing sometimes. Um, whereas my mom was more gentle, she warned us of the consequences of certain actions in order to, in order to prevent us from doing things that weren't in our favor. And this par- parenting style kind of instilled a internal drive, or it helped me establish an internal drive for success and higher achievement. And even before I was born, my parents set the stage for the family because they were the first to graduate from college and their respective families. And so I felt like I needed to, to be, to be the best I could because of what they had done already for our family. My mom had obtained her degree in finance and my dad obtained his degree in electrical engineering. But aside from education, I was involved in a number of sports, played football, basketball, baseball, soccer, um, karate, um, a little bit of track, but outside of sports, I also participated in some extracurricular activities. Um, my favorite of these was the science and math fair that was held by the County that we lived in, um, annually. And so each year we, with the help of our parents, we would create, my brother and I would create, um, a project that focused on something to do with math and science. Uh, like my my father would kind of walk me through or guide me through the complexities of the science while my mom would help me design my poster and she would give me the the common words I needed before my oral presentations uh like once I started my solo i I ended up winning awards and it seemed to progress every year and the the la- last two um years that I participated, I won the grand prize. But I was still pretty young at that at that time. I think I was in like sixth or seventh grade. But the the fair went up to people in high school, and you know, being able to you know outcompete people that were you know seniors in high school when I was wasn't even in high school yet was just truly um, it was truly humbling, and it was a testament to to the work that I put in. Um, I was just very grateful to have success at that age. In the years approaching high school, my parents felt that I wasn't being challenged enough, and I agreed because I would just do my homework in class or, like, right before I needed to turn it in. And, like, yeah, that just wasn't that wasn't good. And so I applied to a number of independent boarding schools, and I ended up getting into a few. And when I tell people this, they often are – their first response is always, oh, what did you do? Like, were you a bad kid to be sent away? And I always say, no, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't a black bad kid. It's actually a blessing that I went to boarding school um, because the petty school, the school that I ended up going to, it opened doors that would not have been possible at my local school. Um, and because it was a boarding school, I really had to become independent at a young age. And that that's one of the things that, that it really taught me. One of the, I guess, quote unquote doors that I wouldn't have had if I you know lived at home had to become independent. And when I say that, like I, when I try to explain this to people, they, 
usually if they haven't if they didn't live on their own when they were 14 there they don't really fully understand what i mean like things that we that may seem small now like doing laundry ironing your clothes making sure you have a proper you're maintaining a proper diet making sure that you're up and ready to go to class every day things like that it seems small now like or they seem like life now but when you're 14 years old like that is that's a big deal so that was that's one of the things also you know i was able to study chinese and i was able to go to china um when i was in high school which is like unheard of when i would tell like some of my peers that were are from my hometown that i went to china they're like what like that is that's crazy um but after that trip the same year i believe my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer and this is when i started to really see how how life could really knock you in your mouth but fortunately he got his prostate removed and he was deemed cancer free but a year or so later he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and it's always tough to talk about this but i feel like telling this story could really inspire people that are going through similar trials and tribulations or just are going through something in their life and they need somebody who is in who who was able to come out of it on the other side um but, but you know continuing uh before his diagnosis my curiosity drew me to medicine like i knew i wanted i knew medicine was interesting but i also was interested in you know science math in general and maybe this was because i was just better at those subjects than i was at like history and english or maybe it was because i really looked up to my father and he was so into science um despite you know being uncertain about despite this uncertainty about you know my path and whatnot i knew that johns hopkins would be a great first step in this journey it was a very it's a very good engineering school it's a very good um school for medicine anything really science related is very it could be um i knew it could be you know a good start for me but i remember going into my college counselor's office um and we had to come up with a a list of schools that we wanted to apply to and the college counselor put them into categories and i remember the categories being possible likely unlikely nearly impossible and johns hopkins was in the nearly impossible category and other than you know putting it in that nearly impossible category he's kind of without directly saying it he discouraged me from applying to this school and maybe it was just the internal drive that i had but like once that was ha- once that happened i was like okay well now i'm definitely going to apply here because you think i can't do it i know that i can do it and that's all i need and so i ended up applying early decision and fortunately i got in and going to johns hopkins was honestly it was one of the best decisions I could have made for my life. In those four years, I learned a lot about myself. I faced a lot, a lot of adversity, but I, but it really allowed me to become the man that I am today. When I got to campus as a freshman, I wanted to keep an open mind in terms of what I, the, the courses that I took and clubs that I was a part of and everything that I 
you know, immersed myself into. Um, becoming a physician was in the back of my mind, um, but I also, you know, wanted to broaden, broaden my horizons again. Coming into Johns Hopkins with 12 credits to start from my AP courses that I took in high school, I had a bit of room, a little bit more room, I guess, than some of my peers, you know, to take courses that I found interesting. And the academic rigor was expected, but admittedly, I really, really struggled the first year. And I thought I would be fine considering that I went to a boarding school and I had already been, I had been introduced to the the concept of living on your own. But yeah, I really struggled. In the spring semester of my freshman year, my father passed away from pancreatic cancer that he had been battling since I was in high school. Despite knowing how deadly the disease was, his constant positivity and optimism, I guess, blinded me in a way. Somehow I was convinced that he would be able to beat it. And I, I was like shocked when he passed away. Though looking back, I, I should have been prepared. After his death, I was just emotionally all over the place. I was distraught. It was reflected in my grades. I was depressed. I was feeling a lot of self-pity and self-doubt, which all, all, all that, those emotions compromised the drive I had. I found myself comparing my, myself to other people and how I didn't measure up. And that kind of extended into my sophomore year. But the summer after my sophomore year, I really realized that I needed to make a transition. I attended a, a summer program called the Summer Medical and Dental Education Program at Case Western School of Medicine. And they introduced me to the application process for medical school, what what was expected, the rigor that would come with the expect, uh, acceptance. And in that moment, I realized that I needed to climb out of the valley that I was that was in, I guess, mental and emotional valley that I was in. If not for myself, I needed to do it for my father. And I made the conscious decision to leave the self-doubt that I was feeling, the, the pity, the depression. I needed to leave it in the past. And that was truly, truly difficult. It was probably one of the harder things I've had to do in my life. And it didn't come overnight. I had I had to work at it. And I, you know, I continued to work at it. And one of the things that I do all the time and that I did in that moment was that I needed to remind myself to stay on course. I always um, and that's what I really encourage anyone who is ever feeling like they like people are trying to discourage them from anything or even if you have. A, a voice in your your own head where it's like, oh, like you can't do this. Yes, you can. Just remember to stay on course. You know why. You know why you're doing what you're doing. Once you find that passion, just go at it. Forget what everybody else is saying. Forget the quote unquote haters. Forget any self doubt that you might have. Forget the self pity. And I know, like I said, that 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 is not easy. But if you work at it, it can be possible. And so I, at this point in my life, I, I, I made that commitment to just keep going. And my new like mindset, like was tested sooner than I had expected because I, I, along with that commitment, I, I, I wanted to, 
I wanted to encourage other people, my future patients and their families to not define themselves by their ailment in the, in the case of their, my patients and their families or by, you know, one event that's happened to your life or even multiple events. Don't like define yourself by that. Use that that anger you feel, that self-doubt, that pity, that all all those negative emotions to create a drive to want to do do better. And like I said, my my new resolve was was tested earlier than I expected. A year after, I think it was the, the year after I went to this summer program, one of my friends attempted to commit suicide. I knew he had always battled depression, but this particular day, I remembered I had not seen him in a while. And so I walked into his room and his room was dark. The lights were off. And I just remember him saying, like, I'd like to be left alone. He was like under the covers. And so I was like, okay, I'm sorry, man. And I went to like close the door. And as I was closing the door, I remember like seeing nightstand and a, and a bottle of pills that were open. And the proximity to his bed really like freaked me out. And so I closed the door and upon closing the door, I like went and told some of my friends and I got a call from, you know, basically relaying the message that he said he wanted to die. And so me and my friends went into the room and kind of pleaded with him to reconsider that, to remember that, that he is here for a reason. Like he just remind him of his worth. And we, Ended up calling the, the ambulance and thankfully his life was spared. But I guess in this moment, I, in this particular moment, I don't remember consciously thinking about the, the commitment and the promise I made to myself. But it it's but this is gratifying to me because it showed me that I could help others through their medical related adversity. At that point, I knew that being a doctor was what I needed to do with my life. It kind of seemed like a calling at that point. So the following year, I knew I needed to work my tail off to improve my academic record. In the spring semester, I worked in a research lab. Research was very difficult to, for me to come by initially because I had applied to like 60 to 70 jobs, some of them that were paid, some of them that weren't. I ended up not getting any of them. And then I, you know, was like, okay, Sean, you gotta, you gotta figure out how you can improve your grades and get a research opportunity. So I emailed all of basically all of the biology department because that was what my major was in, in college. And fortunately, I was able to to land a, a position. And so I just studied the the best way I could. And I remember just not just do not compare yourself to anybody else, because that is one of the biggest things that I think impacted how I I performed. One of one of my biggest pieces of advice for everybody that is going into medicine, any anybody that is going into anything competitive or anything in general, really, don't compare yourself to other people. Be you. Work hard, and it will come. And just remember to stay on course. So, I was able to finish my final three semesters, and I made the dean's list. And this was proof to myself that. And those that follow my journey, journey that overcoming, you know, hardship is definitely possible if you work and grind at it. And I think I could have applied to medical school out of college, but my options might have been limited by my GPA. I think I had like a three, two coming out of college, but I, I, I distinctly remember not applying 
because the faculty, when I went to the summer medical and dental education program at Case Western, I remember them telling us that the average GPA of an admitted applicant was like a 3.7 or something like that. And so I wanted to give myself the best chance of getting in the first time that I applied. So I applied to a master's program at Johns Hopkins School of Public Health so that I could improve my academic record, my GPA, get some more research under my belt so that I could ultimately have the best opportunity to get into the medical school that I wanted to get into. So I studied for the MCAT. First time I took it, I did not do well or I didn't do well enough, I felt, to be a competitive applicant. So the next summer, I just submitted my application, my primary application, took the MCAT a second time, even though, and I took it in July, and even though, like, the pre-professional faculty told me that July was too late, I I still applied. Taking it the second time, I focused more on my test-taking skill rather than memorizing the content and effort to get a better score. And fortunately, I was able to to do much, much better. And so got my first interview in September and I was hype. A few days later, though, (laughs) this is where I'm like, wow, adversity just kept coming in my life. I tore my ACL. I tore my lateral meniscus and I had a bone bruise. I was playing basketball at the time and I was like, really? Like, why? Why is this happening? This is crazy. I honestly cannot catch a break. So all of my interviews, essentially, I was either on crutches in a big brace or both. But I knew I could not let this stop me. I honestly used this to to my advantage. And I used it as a talking point in many of my interviews. And I'm blessed. I'm truly blessed to say that I received eight um acceptances, two of which um, gave me a full ride. And then I, I ended up choosing Temple to pursue my my dream of becoming a doctor. After deciding, I got a call from the Office of Diversity stating that I was the only African-American male in my class. And at first, I was kind of upset. I was like, come on, man. Like, I, I chose Temple because of the, you know, the community that we serve. It's mostly made up of of African-American and Latino people, but also like the student body is pretty diverse. There are, you know, a good amount of African-Americans that go there. And, but after some reflection, I realized that I was fortunate to be able to represent such a significant and vulnerable population in the United States. And I just try to, you know, remind myself of that whenever I, whenever I feel intensely my identity that can be a little demoralizing in situations where you you're the you're the only black kid in the class. So that pretty much sums up my story in terms of medicine. I also decided to pursue my MBA because as much as I wanted to as much as I want to practice and advocate for caring for patients on an individual basis, I think I can make a broader impact as an executive of a hospital, specifically for uh, people of color. This system is tough on people of color, especially those that don't have insurance and are of low socioeconomic status. And the other thing is a lot of these executive positions are filled by people who aren't even doctors, which seems crazy to me because when you, you think about it, you can't 
watch a video or read a textbook on textbook on how to be a doctor. It's a skill that's learned over years and years of training. And I feel like the best way to lead a hospital is to know exactly what it means to be a physician. Um, with that, uh, that ends my story. But, you know, pieces of advice that I have, don't let anyone discourage you from doing what you want to do. This is your life. There will always be obstacles in your life. But just remember, once you find your passion, to stay on course. Don't let anyone or anything get in the way of that. Just remember to stay on course. And with that, my name is Sean Brown, and I'm a black man in a white coat. What an amazing journey. My goodness. And the funny thing about it is he's just now starting medical school. So he's got a long way to go, and he's already been through so many crazy things in life, man. And he's overcome it and kept on going. I mean, his father died. His friend, you know, was going through all that stuff with the depression. He gets to medical school, and he finds out he's the only black guy in his class. And that might sound like nothing, but let me let you guys know, that's that's a big deal. I was one of two black men in my inter-medical school class, and you feel it. Trust me, when you're the one of the few, you feel it, right? When things happen, you know eyes are on you. You know eyes are on you. Whether or not people believe this is true, the fact of the matter is you are representing your race. That's just the way it is, and you feel it when you're one of the few. You just do, okay? So shout out to you, future Dr. Sean Brown. Kudos to you, and I love the way you embraced that. You said... At first, I thought, oh, you were kind of upset about it. But then you thought, you know what? I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to represent. Right. It's not just for me. It's for my future patients. And another time in the episode, I love how he, he was talking in the perspective of his future patients. He said he was doing things because of his future patients. And that's what you guys need to remember, especially you pre-medical students. When you're out here grinding and hustling and you're tired, you have to remember one day you're going to have a patient who's going to look at you. And only trust you. They won't trust other people. But they're just going to trust you. I took care of an elderly black man today um, in the hospital. And just the way he looked at me. It's one of those things. It's unspoken. But just the way he looked at me. I, you know, you could feel it. You could tell. You could tell there was a certain level of trust. You could tell his confidence was just up. And, you know, I see a lot of patients in the hospital. Right? You can tell the ones that have confidence. The ones that don't have confidence. Depending on who you're talking to. And I just love it when I get in there. And I see black men, when I take care of them, see their confidence level just rise. You can tell they take more stake in your care, right? And that's not just me making that up, right? We have studies. That big study came out a few months ago that said this was true. That when black male patients are taken care of by black clinicians, they are more likely to adhere to their clinicians' um, recommendations for preventative, preventative medicine. Whatever reason that is, I don't know, a billion reasons, but it's true. Right. So I love how future Dr. Sean Brown is talking and already thinking about his future patients. That's amazing. That's what you guys need to do. Keep that thought in mind as you are taking care of your patients. I'm sorry, as you're as you're studying and preparing during your undergrad years, think about your future patients. That's what you need to be doing. It's amazing. Right. It will help keep your brain in check. It'll help refocus you, keep you on track. Great way to stay on track. All right. Wonderful episode. Future Dr. Sean Brown. Thank you so very much. Hey, I know it's hard. I know you're the only one out there, but represent. We got you, right? So you might feel alone, but you're not really alone. You got a whole community behind you. Black men and white coats, we stand behind you, all right? Represent. We're here for you. And if you need anything, send me a message. I got you, okay? I got you. Thank you so very much for being the amazing feature guest on this episode. 
to the listeners. Thank you guys for listening. Pre-Meds, you know where to find me. Premedstar.com. Send me a message if you have a question. And guys, I get I get tons of messages. People send messages to various accounts that, that I have people helping to run. I'm not running them, but people are helping to run these accounts on social media and you're asking me questions. So I'm not going to respond to those questions there. If you have a question for me, please send it to find me on premedstar.com. That's where I do all my pre work. LinkedIn, all that stuff, I'm really not going to respond. So if you have a question for me, it's not that I don't want to respond, but it's, I just have so many inquiries coming in for premedstar black men and white coats involving parents, um, pre-health market, so many things that we do, we work on, so many inquiries come on that for the pre-meds, all of my pre-med work gets done on premedstar.com. So please make sure you send it there. I'm not ignoring you. Otherwise, it's just hard for me to get to those other places all the time because I don't run all those social media accounts, okay? So that's where to find me. Thank you guys for listening. Those of you who are coming to the summit, I look forward to meeting you there. If you have any questions, shoot me a message. Love you guys. See you next week.